This is me down low. Oh, I'd like to leave in church. Every Thursday morning at 10.30 a.m. in the Lucky Leland Church building. At the bank, in the Cameron Alliance of Burnley. Contact us or find out more information about us. Please visit our website at www.thelentsalian.co.uk So I want to take us on a little journey this morning, and it's a journey that um, started for me a few weeks ago, Um, and I want to look at a topic that perhaps isn't the most exciting topic that everybody will want to be like, oh, that's really exciting, Um, and it's the fear of the Lord, you know, a really good, encouraging one this morning, but I really felt it was important, Um, and where this began for me was I was walking to work, um, I parked my car, I was walking down the road. And I felt God prompt me, and he said, do you honour me? And and, and me being the good Christian boy I am, said, of course, God, I honour you all the time. And then God said, no, 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 do you really honour me in everything that you do, in everything that you say? And I thought about this, and I was like, well, I try to. But you see, in my head, the word honour meant one thing. But what God was challenging me about was something very different. So I want to start by just looking at the word honour. And the word honour in the dictionary means a few things. And the first one is to hold in high respect, great esteem, have regard for, look up to, think highly of. The second definition is the quality of knowing what is morally right. Uh, Sorry, knowing and doing what is morally right. And something regarded as a rare opportunity in bringing pride and pleasure a privilege. And to be honest, whenever I think of honouring God, I think probably more of the second one, of doing, being morally correct, of doing the right, making the right, doing, being a good Christian boy. But actually, as I began to dwell on this, as I began to think about this, God was challenging something else inside of me, a different aspect of that word honour. He was challenging me to look at more of the first definition of holding him in high respect, in having that regard for God, of placing him in a place of authority in my life, of looking up to him every single day in everything that I did, of every aspect of my life being involved about looking up to God and putting him in his rightful place. So as I began to think about this, a verse jumped out at me. And it wasn't necessarily quite the one, because in my brain, the way it worked is a verse came in my head, and then I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And I went off and saw that verse, and it said something completely different. So I started to look into that. And it's uh, Deuteronomy 6.13. So if you want to turn there in your Bible. Deuteronomy 6.13. You know, when I was writing this, every time I wrote the word Deuteronomy, I couldn't spell the thing. I was like, sure a, it doesn't read right. Okay, Deuteronomy 6.13. And I'm going to just firstly read it from uh, the Good News translation, which is the one that sprung into my head. I don't know why Good News, because I don't really, haven't read it, but I suppose I do quite a bit, look at different ver- versions. And it says, honour the Lord your God, worship him, 
only him and make your promises in his name alone. The NIV puts it this way, fear the Lord your God, serve him only and take your oaths in his name. And so these two translations have two slightly different ways of putting it. But I almost feel that honour is almost the same as the fear of the Lord in this circumstance. So I went back and I did some Googling. Now, I am no Hebrew scholar. I can't tell you any words in Hebrew, but Google's great. So I did went off and I was doing some Googling because I was interested in this. So I started Googling. And uh, this is my Google sign, by the way. Um, so I started Googling, and I looked up to what it would have been more in the original Hebrew. And the wordings would have been very different, or slightly different ordered, because of the way that Hebrews uh, write. Um, and it actually would have said something more like, and I'm slightly changing it, because if I read it exactly how it would have been sort of written, it wouldn't quite make sense. But, the Lord your God, you shall fear him and serve him, and his name and shall swear, yes, and by his name, sorry, and shall swear. And so the, the very sentence structure of that Hebrew phrase of Deuteronomy 6.13 actually puts the, the whole premises on God in first bits. It's the Lord your God, him and his name. They're the first three bits of the three sort of parts of that center of that verse. And it just sort of really stands out that in this verse, in this one verse, God is saying that he should be first and nothing shall precede him. He should be the absolute beginning and nothing else should be demoted to second place in our, in our lives. He should be number, number one. I find it really interesting as well, if you move on a couple of chapters uh, to Deuteronomy 10.20, you see almost the exact same verse being repeated. It says, and I'll just jump to it, just exact to show you. 10.20 says, um, Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. Once again, Moses is repeating the same thing, the importance of the fear of the Lord. Now, so what is the fear of the Lord? Now, fear, when we use the word fear, it brings a negative connotation. We automatically think of being scared of something. So, for example, if I were scared of dogs, I, I, a little bit, if I'm honest, a tiny bit scared of dogs. Not scared. Yeah, just not quite the greatest things. Um, if I had that, it's a, a terror, a fear, um, something that paralyzes me. I can have the same of heights. I could have the same of... Um, structures that aren't safe. Um, I don't know. There's fear of all different fears. Spiders and all sorts of things we can have a fear. And that fear can be terrifying. It can be paralyzing fear. And there's a couple of examples of that in the Bible. We can see different versions in different parts of stories. But that's not the fear that God is referring to in this part of the verse. The kind of fear that he's talking to is a very different fear. And it's one that I think the body of Christ on the whole needs to have. It's something that maybe we shy away from talking about and preaching about. But I really feel like if we got back to understanding the fear of the Lord, it would alter our lives completely. It would alter our churches. It would alter our world around us. And so an example of, I just want to turn to another verse, Exodus 20. There will be a little bit of flipping around today because there's quite a lot of verses in the Bible about fear of the Lord. Um, 
and I tried to pick the ones that I felt said what I needed to say. Okay, Exodus 20, 20. And it says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that fear of God will be with you and will keep you from sinning. So there's two types of fear mentioned in this verse. The first one is the do not be afraid. That's the negative fear, the fear, the paralyzing, the terrified fear. And the second one is so that the fear of the Lord or fear of God will keep you from sinning. That's the positive, godly one. So two different types of fear. And today I want to talk about the second type, not the first type. Um, And I don't want you to leave today being scared of God. That's not my aim. That's not what I want to say. I don't want you to be sort of the position where today you think, oh, Joey's saying that we should all be scared of God and actually be terrified of everything we do. And that's not it. And before I get into this, I really want to say that God loves us. That's his fundamental thing. He loves us. He cares about us completely. And he desires and longs for a relationship with each one of us that's deeper than we can ever imagine. And he's done absolutely everything he possibly can to bridge the gap in that relationship so that he can be intimate and friends with us. And that's what we always see throughout in the Bible, is this constant desire of God reaching out to mankind saying, I want a relationship with you. And the fear of the Lord is not different from that. I want you to get that, is it's not different It's just a different aspect of that, and it's from our side, of how we treat God. And I feel that, like, a real importance of the fear of the Lord. I really do. And I've got to say, it's a journey that I'm on. It's not something I've completed, and I'm there. It's something that God's been constantly challenging and developing in me. And and if I'm honest, it almost goes back to um, uh, Joe and I were doing this, Bible study thing, um, and there was, right at the beginning, um, there was one of the first chapters was about, um, it was sort of a marriage one, you know, you do when you do marriage, we decided we'd do a study together, and we sat there, um, um, and it was about uh, putting God first, and, and it started right back then, this trigger thought of fear of the Lord, and it's sort of something that for the last almost year has been, God's been speaking to me about. So it's not something that I would say I'm even close to achieving yet. But I feel like it's just something that he really wants us to, to see. Now some of you may say, well, fear of God, that's an Old Testament thing. We've now got a loving God, a caring God, and a, a God that's, compa- you know, that, that's different now. Um, but I just want to turn Acts 9. I said there'll be a bit of Bible flipping. Acts 9, verse 20, uh, verse 31. Here we go. And it says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased its numbers. So right there, the New Testament church lived in the fear of the Lord and was strengthened, by the, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and it increased its numbers. I don't know about you, but I want churches to explode on this island. I want God to increase his numbers. And I know there's two things that this verse says to me, is that there's two things that are important, having the Holy Spirit and living in a fear of the Lord. 
And I really feel that these things are so critical because when we get up God's position in our church, in our life, in our homes, in every aspect of, every, of our entire lives, he then has the authority to move and do what he needs to do. And that's where the fear of the Lord comes in. So let's look deeper at what the fear of the Lord means. So again, a little bit of Googling. And the Hebrew word for fear is yah. And I believe that's how you say it. That's Y-A-R-E. And that means to fear, to respect, to reverence. So in, the verse, in this verse, in Deuteronomy uh, 6.13, we're told to respect and hold in reverence God, to worship him and obey his commandments. In other words, we need to lift up God in our lives to a place of authority, to a place to acknowledge his power, to acknowledge that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is in our lives and ruling our lives. We need to understand that the creator of the world is the God we have a relationship with. He's a powerful, awesome, incredible God and he is part of our lives. That makes me feel in some ways slightly small because I suddenly realise actually this great big God, this massive God who holds the stars in his hands, who's got them right there and yet there's me who's just probably not even a microbe in his hand yet even though that he still cares about me he still loves me and I just find that incredible and as I begin to see God with that size that power it begins to transform how I see God in my life and the work that he can do so I think I've just got some things that the fear of the Lord means. So the first one is to fear that God means to acknowledge his lordship. And it's something that when we do a gospel prayer, quite often you'll see Lord, uh, Jesus be the Lord of my life or something around those lines. Um, but what does that really mean? And I think having a fear of the God allows us to really walk in his lordship. Having God as Lord of our lives says, actually, you know best for my life. You know that I know that you are the king and ruler of my life. And I choose to allow you in and to let me help me make the right choices every moment of each day. So I do what you want me to. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7 says... Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. We need to hand over control of our lives to God. You know, when I was a little boy, um, my parents used to put me on reins. Okay, and so I'd be there like toddling off like this, you know, as little toddlers do. But I'd have this string that would attach me to my parents. Um, I'm sure you all had, you know, we all went through that pain. Um, Now, you see, I was the kind of child who hated this. So what I would do is they'd put the reins on and they'd get hold of the reins and I'd just lift my legs up off the floor. And I'd be then dangling there. And my mum used to say I was a puppet on a string so she would have to like hold me like this while walking around the shops. Um, I didn't like not having control of my own path. But it was now my parents' responsibility 
to decide where I could go, what I could do, and how that would be. They had control. And I think sometimes we're the kind of people that are a bit like me. We decide we're going to lift our legs up and be as much difficult as we can when God wants to take control of our lives and help us. And sometimes we decide we're going to rebel against him and we're going to do things. And it's not that we, that we do it out of deliberateness. Sometimes it's just our nature as human beings. We like to keep hold of control of parts of our lives. We like to keep hold of this bit or that bit and like to be the kind of person we make our own decisions. We do it our way, not his way. About ten years ago, I went on a tour of Windsor Castle. It was very exciting. I went with my nan and my sister, and we, we took my nan to London, and we took her around, and one of the things she wanted to do was go to Windsor Castle. So we went to Windsor Castle. Now, we went around all these different rooms. We saw these amazing things. We saw all these riches and all these things, and we were showing around the state rooms and all these kind of things. But when we went outside... I had a realisation that actually we'd only been to a small part of it. We'd only been to certain rooms. Because I didn't have the authority to go to every room. I couldn't just decide I was going to that room and go there. I was guided around this place. Certain rooms were off limits. But however, when the Queen goes there, she has the authority to walk into any room she likes. She'll open the door and go straight in. And nobody will stop her. And this got me thinking, as I was looking at this, if our heart was a, was a castle, which rooms do we let God into? And which rooms are we keeping him out of? Is God just simply a tourist of our hearts? Or is he something much more? Is he the king where he's got the authority, the right to walk into any room he pleases and challenge us in that place? We have so many rooms of our hearts. What areas do we keep God from? Maybe it's our social media accounts, our TV programs, our thoughts, our actions. How often do we try and live out our will instead of the will of the Father in our lives? And I really feel challenged that it's about handing over control. It's about saying, look, I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to try and take over. One of the things that, I've got this written down, but it just sort of came to mind. I once had to co-drive someone. I'm not going to mention who it was because it would be unfair. Um, but I was co-driving someone and um, had to intervene, shall I say, on a few occasions um, and grab hold of the wheel and sort of jolt the car in a different direction completely to avoid a couple of crashes. And it was a rather interesting experience. And although that person had control of the wheel, I was still there, able to assist. However, when I'm in the driving seat, that person wasn't going to lean over and take over because they knew that I was in control. I didn't feel when I was in the passenger seat co-driving that they were in complete control. I was having to at times, just get involved. And how many times do we do with that with God in our own lives? Do we try and override him? And override his lordship? And it's a real challenge, because if we truly mean it, and we say, Lord, you are truly the Lord of our lives, it means giving up everything, laying down every bit of control, 
and saying, you're in the driving seat, God. And I'm a passenger. And actually, you're responsible for my life. And it's quite challenging to live like that. Point two, the fear of the Lord means to acknowledge his presence in the midst of choices. In a lot of ways, this goes hand in hand with the previous point, but I think it's slightly different in the sense that the first point is about letting God in, and the second one is about following him, because sometimes God is the God who will just give us direction, and we've just got to walk in it. And I really felt like God wanted us to, to know that when we're in at that moment of decision, we need to acknowledge his presence and to have that fear of the Lord to saying, God, what is your will? What is your will right now? Reveal it to me and then walk in it. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Psalm 110, 111 even, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have a good understanding. To him belong eternal price. And how many times do we have choices that we don't let God into? We may see them as small situations. And I was really thinking about this on that walk to work. Work became a big one for me. Because I pride myself on being a good worker. I pride myself on being a great person at work. And then when God said, do you really honour me? And I began to think about that. And I began to think, actually, do I make every decision at work through his eyes? And that really began to challenge me. Because actually, if I truly honour God, I truly honour and have that fear of the Lord that says, actually, God, no matter what, I'm going to actually see it and make you big in this situation. When someone annoys me at work, and that happens, because I'm human... Do I decide to get annoyed? Or do I decide to make him glorified and him lifted up? And it's a real challenge. It's a real difficult thing to do. But I think once we get hold of who God is really, and that revelation, suddenly it begins to change how we see the world around us. How often do we try and do things in our own strength? I'm a planner. I love planning things. I love planning my life down to the minute of knowing when I'm going to be here and when I'm going to be there and, you know, I have a menu plan for the rest of the week. I'm that planner. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but how often do I do things in my own strength, plan through situations, struggle through situations, when the God who holds those stars the same God who spoke and the world came into existence is waiting right there to help me. When I begin to fear him in the sense of hold him up with reverence and that understanding that this great big God is there. It's like an umbrella that covers me and I can just turn to him and say it doesn't matter because you'll sort it out and I know I'm just living in your will. In everyday circumstances, to fear God means to acknowledge his presence in the midst of everyday choices. And those who fear God apply the word of God effectively to meet whatever challenges come our way. 
Despite our imperfections, we should depend on God for strength and we'll find out that his power can equip them to meet every challenge. Third thing is pursuing, to fear God means pursuing goodness. And I've got just a couple of verses, Psalm 34, 11, and then 13 and 14. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. When we have a fear of God, we don't want to offend or upset God in any way. We want to live our lives in which is a way pleasing and honouring him. And I sort of thinking this through when Abraham came to mind. In Genesis 20, there's the story of Abraham and how they moved to a new land. And Abraham went around telling people that Sarah was his sister. Do you remember this story? And uh, the king, Abimelech, that's the one, uh, took Sarah to be his wife. But then one night the king had a dream and realised that God warned him, this is a bad plan, don't do this, because she's already married to Abraham. And when Abraham's confronted by it, he replies saying that there's no fear of God in this place. And that's found in Genesis 12, 20 verse 11. Abraham knew that the people of the land had no knowledge of God and so did not live according to his standards and he assumed God could not or would not take care of him in such a place. So he took matters into his own hands by lying about Sarah's identity. And the irony of the story is, is that really even though Abraham blames the people around him for not having a fear of the Lord, it was him who suffered with not having the fear of the Lord. It was him that was wrong, not the people around him. However, roll on a couple of chapters to Genesis 22 and we've got the story of Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac's been born and he takes him up to the mountain and he's about to sacrifice him. And yet there, something has changed in his life. Abraham now showed obedience to God in his willingness to show his sacrifice to his son Isaac. And in Genesis 22 verse 12, the angel of the Lord says this, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not, because you have not withheld from me your son your only son. So now Abraham has the fear of God in his life. He allows God to rule over him and guide his decisions and follow and allowed him to be the Lord of the life even when it was difficult and tough. And in the end, he chose to obey and follow God's way rather than doing it the easy way. And I think sometimes a healthy fear um, of God includes the fear of consequences of disobedience. And there may be times where we're tempted or we have trials and we may forget that, that fear of God. And that is when we need to start thinking of the consequences of not fearing God. Again, it's about taking control, allowing him to take control of our lives and to sit on the throne of our life and let him rule. To fear God means to be quick to repent. Psalm 130, 3-4 says, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. 
there, the word reverence and fear. God's often offer of forgiveness to those who repent gives us a reason to fear, a reason to change. It also gives us a reason to be eternally grateful and to grow in the love and to be more like our loving God. So as we begin to understand who he is, how powerful he is, how awesome he is, how incredible he is, and we begin to get him into the rightful place in our lives, in our church, in our, in our homes, in every situation, I believe what we begin to do is we begin to place him on the throne where he can truly rule. When he truly rules, suddenly our lives begin to focus in the right directions and the right paths. Does it mean everything will be right? No, I don't believe that. But I believe when we begin to fear God in the right way, not in the scared way, but in the right way, He is allowed and we give him the authority to actually rule. To make the decisions. And when he's making the decisions, everything else falls into place. Because he's made the plans and he knows what he's doing. We don't. (laughs) And sometimes that is incredibly hard. I can... Say so. It's so incredibly hard taking our feet off the pedals and saying, "God, there you go. Do it. Show me. I'm your just your hands and my in your feet. Show me what to do." And that's an incredible hard thing to do. And I think that's why we almost need a realization of how big, how awesome, and how powerful God is. Because only once we realize that, we begin to understand. We can't do it in our own strength and in our own power. So there are some benefits, actually, in the Bible to the fear of God. And I'm just going to quickly run through these. There's uh, four that I can find. Uh, There's more than this, but there's four that I've brought this morning. So the first one is a fear of God leads to life. And you can find in Proverbs 22 verse 4, it says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. It's where wages are rich and honour and life. Let me read that again because I've just misread that completely, I think. I believe, uh, yeah. Uh, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are rich and honour and life. Are riches, honour and life. Okay, yes. Now I'm with it. I'm with it. There's three points there. Um, But um, I find it interesting that it says humility is the fear of the Lord. And I think it's so easy that pride gets in, it, in its own way. Earlier I said that I pride myself on being a good worker. Is it me? I remember we were sat in house group just a couple of weeks ago, and this was a point that God suddenly just sat on me and actually went, sometimes you're very prideful about how you work. And I'm like, but Lord, I'm, I'm a hard worker, I'm a diligent worker, I do everything great. Yes, but if it wasn't for me, you'd be nothing. And actually, sometimes we pride ourselves so on what we do, and we think we're so great, but reality, it's God that's done it. It's God that's got me to this place. Because based on my own track record, I would have messed up way better than I am now. I already did. It was only because of his grace and his love and his compassion that he took back over control and put me back on the right path. But it's something that I just feel like is really interesting, that humility... And maybe there's a whole other bit because I still need a load of work in that area. 
But when I'm humble and acknowledge his lordship, I create room for him to bless me more. This verse says that it gives us life. It leads to life. Two, it prolongs life. Proverbs 10 verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. How true is that? The fear of the Lord adds length to life. And if it's not in this life, it will certainly be in the one in heaven because it's that fear of the Lord that truly brings repentance, that truly brings us back onto that path. And therefore we gain eternity with him. Which definitely, this verse then shows itself as absolutely true. It prolongs our life for eternity. Three, he will fulfill our desires. Psalm 145 verse 19. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries and saves them. Right there, a promise that God's desire, that God's plan and purpose and the desires of your heart will come true if we fear him. When I follow his plans and purpose, the desires of my heart are released and suddenly all the benefits of heaven are unleashed when I have that fear of God. Do you know, I was thinking back to Abraham and how it was only once he had the fear of the Lord, he was only then able to see the reality of the dream that God had placed inside him come true. Let me explain that. Abraham, before, in, in, in Exodus 20, was in that place where he, he said that, he, that Sarah wasn't his wife. He had a promise that he was going to be the father of, a gen- of many generations. Right there, he lies, he doesn't have the fear of the Lord. Later on, he comes in, in, in Exodus in Genesis 22, sorry, Genesis 22, and he comes to that place and he says, actually, now Abraham has the fear of the Lord because he's choosing that he will give up his only son for, for the reward that God promised, for the sacrifice that God's asked him to make. He has that fear of the Lord. And now, further forward, he has gener- Abraham then receives the blessing of generation upon generation upon generation. I wonder how important that moment was when suddenly his face shifted. I do wonder, did God suddenly release that dream? Was something really holding back the plans? And as Abraham began to learn the power of God, actually the desires of Abraham's heart were unleashed. And fourth thing, just to sort of bring this in, it's the glue that holds our relationship together. The fear of the Lord is the glue that brings our relationships together. And I think this is a really important one because I find church a little bit odd sometimes. I've got to be a minute. Do you know what I know why? Because actually, if we look around the room and we're truly honest, we're all people of different ages. We're all people of different backgrounds. We've got different education. We've got different interests. And if we looked at people, we'd say, actually, you probably wouldn't be people I'd hang around with normally. But yet, it's true. I mean, come on, let's be honest. You know, and I know, you know, sometimes we've got to get real. But that is true, because I wouldn't actually encounter you. 
Because you're not in my world of interest. You're not in my age of interest. You're not in this. We wouldn't actually interact with each other. But one thing that brings us together, the one thing that unites us is God. That's it. (laughs) Do you know, (laughs) there's somebody once said, um, I can't remember who said it, but someone once pointed at me and went, the only thing I love in you is Jesus. And I was like, oh, well, at least there's one thing. Um, He was a friend, I've got to say. He was a friend. But sometimes we can go to people, and that's actually the reality of it, is the only thing that we have in common is Jesus. He is the glue that sticks us together. And Ephesians 5, verse 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because he, because we lift him up in our lives, we have that unity. We have that thing that joins us together. And actually, it's not just about church. It's about our personal lives as well. A fear of God will keep our marriages together. A mutual fear of God will keep our families together. It will strengthen our friendships and strengthen our church. You know, activities, events, all these things are are great, but they're not going to keep this church together. What's going to keep us together is when we pursue God together. When we allow him to be on the throne together. When we say it's his will, not our will. He will keep us together. And we will grow. And we will strengthen. And I believe truly that if we really grasped who God was and how powerful he is and how incredible he is and we have a true fear of God where we lift him up and we hold him in all reverence and all authority it would change our lives forever it would certainly change mine you know I just have this thought and it's uh, if we were today to say the Queen's coming to our church we'd be in here getting our hoovers out We'd be polishing the pulpit. Every bit of this, route, of this thing would be done absolutely perfectly. And the place would never would be sparkling. We'd be putting on our best clothes. And it would be a sight when the Queen walked in. We'd do everything we can to make it feel as best as we could. But yet every Sunday... The King of Kings walks in this building. Every Sunday, the Lord of Lords comes into this church. And he walks into this, war, into this church and he's longing and desperate to encounter each one of us. And maybe there's a challenge right there that how well do we prepare to meet him each Sunday? Maybe there's a challenge right there of how we come. Are we ready to receive? Or do we come with, it's not really our best efforts. But I believe that God wants to release a revelation of the fear of the Lord. He wants to transform our thinking of who he is and help us 
place him on that throne of our lives, of our church, of our relationships. So I want to start where I began, asking the questions. Do you truly honour God in everything that you do? Do you hold him in high respect, in great esteem? Do you look up to him and think highly of him? Do you know and do what is morally right? And do you bring pride and pressure to him? Is it a privilege when he walks into the room? A true privilege where he grasps hold of our lives. So what I want to do is I'm going to just say maybe if the worship group can come up. I just want to pray. I'm sorry that it's been quite like intense, but it's kind of one of these topics. Maybe we can stand. Let's stand, because I think it's important. And this morning, maybe... Maybe we just... If you feel like, actually, you need a fresh revelation of who he is, of what he can do, of his power, of his authority, of all these things, and the things that you need to balance in your life again. And you need to adjust that fear and say, actually, you know, I've let it slip. Then maybe just place your hands out before him this morning. And I'm just going to pray. Dear God, this morning we recognise that you are a mighty God. We acknowledge that you are the only true God. And this morning we ask that you would give us a fresh revelation of what it truly means to fear you, God. We choose to place you in your rightful place in this church, God, and in our lives and in every relationship. We give up control and we lay it at your feet this morning. We choose to give up control and say, Lord, we're just your hands and feet. Come take control. God, help us have a place where we make you the King of Kings and we lift you up to be the Lord of Lords of our lives. Help us live in reverence for your presence, God. And in every aspect of our lives, God, I pray for every single person here that this, that from this day, God, that you would help them honour you in everything that they do, in everything that they say, God. I ask, Father God, right now for your spirit to come and into this room. Come, Holy Spirit, give us a fresh revelation of how powerful you are this morning. God, we cry out to you and say, God, we just don't want ordinary services anymore, God. We don't want just ordinary meetings, God. But we want to encounter the King of Kings. We want to encounter the Lord of Lords. We want to see your presence come rushing into this church, God, and change our lives forever. We want to march out of this place, Father God, as a mighty army to storm this nation. And God, to see many souls released. And God, this morning, I pray that we would see a release of the fear of God. God in this place, that we would get to that place, God, where we became you on your throne, God. Holy Spirit, come and pray. In the name of Jesus.
Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.